saints, Peter in prison, ready for execution because because um, one of his brothers was just martyred the day before. Lord, you delivered Peter, but James ended up with you quickly. But Lord, deliver us here on earth. Lord, we need your help down here. Lord, we, Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, Lord, we believe what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? Well, Father, Freedom Church and all the people represented here, Lord, we believe this. We believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. There's too much proof in the scriptures. There's too much proof in history. There's too much proof in our own lives, what you've done and how you've changed us all around. How we are no longer the people we used to be. We are now crucified people that follow after a living Lord and Savior. Lord, how we love you. We were lost and you found us. We were dead and you made us alive. Father God, we were headed for the kingdom of Satan and now we're headed for the kingdom of heaven. All because we believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We believe it. We don't just say it. We believe it in our hearts. And we know that the minute we draw our last breath on this earth, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. And we get to see you in all your majesty and all your glory with the seraphim and cherubim all around you and the rainbow above your throne and the 24 elders falling down and, and worshiping you, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. To you be the glory, Lord. We are your servants. Use us in a mighty way and equip us tonight for the work that you have for us to do in this world and help us to help your kingdom come to this earth. In the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, everybody out there. For those that just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. Uh, tune in to us every, every Thursday at 7.15. And tune in to us every Sunday at 10 a.m. Um, this Sunday, I'm going to give you a heads up. We are in Matthew chapter 3. You know, I did a lot of studying already in that chapter, and I've taught it many times, but you know what? I only got to the 12th verse, and I think it's going to take a good hour just to get that out. So, you know, we're probably going to spend at least two weeks in, in Matthew chapter 7, or Matthew chapter 3, and this is John the Baptist, you know, showing up, and um, you'll, 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 it'll be good, so tune in, tune in. It's something that... The whole church needs to hear, not just Freedom Church, not just the church down the street or the church over in Africa. You know, John's message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, is near. And listen, the church needs to repent. I don't think I don't care how good you think you are. You know, you need to repent. All of us need to repent. 
We're not going into the kingdom of heaven because of our righteousness. We're going to the kingdom of heaven because of his righteousness. You know, in him there was no sin, but sin came upon him on the cross. But sin couldn't hold him because he was sinless. Death had no dominion over him. And because he lives in, um, was it John 14, 19, he says, because he lives, you can live also. Ain't that good news? <laughs> no wonder it's called the gospel, good news. Wow, praise God. Anyway, thank you, everybody. Um, listen, tonight I actually told you we're going to be in Genesis chapter 20, 34. Genesis chapter 34. You know, the Old Testament so far, we've been through 33 chapters, and I showed you, as I said earlier in my prayer, I believe, um, we saw typologies of Christ. We've seen, we've seen illustrations. We've seen, we've seen Christophanies um, all along the way of our Lord Jesus Christ, active and well in the Old Testament, pre-incarnate, pre-incarnate before he was born as a baby, you know, in Bethlehem, as you well know. Um, it says he was always existent. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's all through from Genesis Genesis 3.15, you know, all the way up until Revelation. And I just did a teaching, the, what, about a month, month and a half ago on the scarlet thread written through, through the Bible. It was a beautiful study. Jesus is seen from the very beginning, from the very third verse of chapter 1 of Genesis. And God said, and it's Jesus, he's the word of God. So, and in this chapter, you know, we're going to see what, you might not see too much of Jesus here, but you're going to know that this is all from God, you know. Um, there's, there's just a whole lot in the scriptures, and Genesis is just a powerful book. Every time I've taught Genesis and other churches and stuff, we had 50, 55 people in the class. You know, because because they were very interested. A lot of Christians are very interested in how this all happened, and and the pictures we see of Christ. I tell you, as a as a former painter in my prior life, before I became a pastor, you know, I was a sign painter, and I would I I, I learned a lot about painting, even pictures and signs, and you know, God's painting a picture. He's got a canvas that who knows how long it is. But, you know, he's laying in colors, and sometimes we don't understand why this is happening and why that is happening until he's done with it. And then we see the final product, you know, and it tells the whole story. And that's what God's doing as, he, as we study through the whole Bible. He's showing us, he's painting a picture for us. And uh, we're going to see beautiful things as we study the Word of God. Genesis 34, you know, I named this Lust, Rape, and Murder. Ooh, that's not a good chapter, is it, Frank? Lust, Rape, and Murder. This is when we, we see, uh, you know, a man named um, Shem, what's his name? Uh, Shechem, lusting over uh, Jacob's daughter, Dinah. 
And he finally, what he does, he ends up raping her. And then her brothers make a plan to wipe out the entire house of Hamor, which is Shechem is the prince. So now we see murder. Not only do we see murder, we see mass murder by two of the sons of Jacob. So, because they become mass murderers, they are the second and the third born sons of Jacob, and they both lose their birthright. See, the first birthright was Reuben's, remember? The first son of, of, of um, Jacob and Leah. And Reuben ended up sleeping with his father's concubine, and he lost his birthright. Then these two guys we're going to see today, they commit mass murder, and they lose their birthright, which puts the fourth-born son as the patriarch in the Bible, and that would be Judah, the fourth-born son of, of Jacob and Leah. So here we go. Let's, let's, uh, let me just remind you from last chapter to this chapter is probably a gap of about 10 years, about 10 years, because Dinah's older now, and she was quite young in, in the prior chapter, maybe around eight or nine years old. In this chapter, she's probably around 14 or 15. She's a, a developed young woman. And, uh, you know, this, this guy Shechem, he, he uh, desires her and, and he rapes her. But he's, you know, we're going to see some things as we move along. But I'd like to read the first four verses, okay? So I'm reading from the New King James here. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, okay, whom she bore to Jacob. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are the patriarchs, okay? We saw Jacob's name just changed a, a couple chapters back to Israel, where I showed you that he was basically what you would call born again in the Old Testament, where he actually became to believe in Jehovah, and, and of course, that he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany of Christ, as where Christ, it was actually Christ, pre-incarnate, okay, and, uh, and he actually would not let him go until he blessed him, and the, and the Lord did bless him, he renamed him Israel, from Jacob, uh, deceiver, subplanter to Israel, which means governed by God. So when you hear the nation Israel on, on, on the TV or in the newspaper, that's why God named it Israel, governed by God. It's supposed to be. From the very beginning of Abraham, he was supposed to be governed by God. But man is struggling with this, with this uh, project to do, you know, try to be governed by God because we're sinners and we fall short. It's just all there is to it. It's a shame, but that's what happens. So now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Haman, Hamar, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her or raped her, some versions would say. Verse 3, his soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Haman, Hamar and saying, Get me this young woman for a wife. 
All right, let's go through that real quick here. Listen, Dinah, listen, went out to the daughters of the land. That tells you that she had fellowship with unbelievers. She wasn't supposed to. This is the, the line going to, to, to Messiah. They were supposed to come out and be separate, as you well know. Let me read you some scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses, um, let's see, 14 through 18. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 18. Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light and darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Biela? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever, with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from, amid, from the midst of them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. See, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this tribe, this Israel was supposed to be separate from the world. They were circumcised. You remember, right? Abraham was told to be circumcised. He circumcised Isaac. He circumcised all the men in his camp. And he was circumcised, and they were different. It was an outward, exterior sign of an inward change. But they weren't changed, not all of them. They weren't changed. Dinah, I think, by going out to the daughters of the land, she's made friendship with the world, and it caught up with her. We need to be very, very careful as Christians who we fellowship with. Yeah, you got you got a condition, you got a, a commandment from the Lord to go and make disciples. Go into all the world. But he doesn't say live with them and be like them. You know, he says to be separate from them. And even in the Christian church, people marry, you know, they marry within with someone that's not of the fold. I even go higher than that when I when I counsel newly men and women that want to get married I say I, I look not only are you a believer and she's a believer but if the man's up here and the girl's down here we got a problem in spirituality she, they've, they've got to, she's got to come up and he's got to come down a little bit and then bring her up with him okay or if she's up here and he's down here we got another problem she's not they're not see they're yes they're of the same flock but they're not of the same, uh, what can I say, servanthood, to, to love the Lord with all that. One loves the Lord more than the other, and we've got to bring them up. I've seen many a women fall to men that put on a good act until they get married, Then you never see them in church anymore. I've seen that happen a number of times, and it's a shame. 
Um, she went out into the daughters of the land, and therefore it tells me that she has fellowship with unbelievers, and that creates a problem because these unbelievers, Shechem, don't have the same morals that the, the, the tribe of Israel has. Rape is, is not considered good. Well, it is said that in these, here it is, Henry Morris in his, his um, commentary says this, Unattached women back in those days were considered fair game in Canaan. In other words, she just walked right into it. And that, that could be. Maybe it's not, but it could be. Here's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15, just to back up what chapter 6 and verse 15 through 20. Do you not know that your bodies and your members of Christ... Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Yet adultery and fornication is prevalent in the church. May it never be, says Paul. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is, is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. See, Paul goes on to say in his Corinthian book is that, you, do you know, O oh wife, whether you're going to save your, your husband? Or husband, do you know that you're going to save your, your spouse? But people date, get married, one's a believer, one's not, and they're believing that that person might get saved. Well, Paul's saying, how do you know? How do you know? So God's telling you, do not. For if anybody's out there thinking of getting married to an unbeliever or a person that's not on the same spiritual level, you need to back off because you're going to open yourself up to demonic activity. And speaking of this, it even says that, you know, you know, you become one with the harlot. And I've known from being involved in deliverances that men that have slept with witches, actually they have some hard demonic ties. And even those witches, the one guy I remember telling, I'm going back 15 years or better, and there's nobody that ever know who they are, but, but they actually saw the witch contort right in front of them. Which shows you, you know, we got to remember, yes, we have been delivered from the enemy, but we don't walk into his camp, okay? We got to be very, very careful. So, if you don't know if you're going to save this unbelieving woman, or Paul's, but what he's saying, you don't know if the Lord's going to save them. You hope they do. They're a nice person, but, you know, when... Uh, you don't know what way it's going to go should you marry. Now, Dinah walked right into a trap. This this man Shechem is an unbeliever. He, In his culture, 
unattached women, according to Henry Morris, were considered fair game. In other words, hey, I can have any woman I want. And he was the prince of the land, if you caught that. In, in the, his dad was the, the leader of the land, Hamar. He was a Hivite, which is a Canaanite. And he was a prince of the country. He saw her, took her, lay with her, and violated her. And his soul was strongly attached to, attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. Now, that doesn't fit, does it? Does it fit? doesn't fit with me. He loved her, but he raped her, all right? He loved her, and he spoke kindly to her, but he raped her. Now, that just don't fit. It just don't fit. And that's what the world is. See, the world don't have the same morals the church should have. We just, the, the world just doesn't. You know, you know that there's laws on the book that if you commit adultery, you can actually go to jail on some states. There's actually laws on that. So you've got to be careful. The, the morals aren't, are not the same, Okay. His soul was strongly attracted to her. I don't tell how he could rape her and say he loved her and then speak kindly to her. And I'm wondering, how is she taking this? You know, she's, you know, um, he loves her. She knows he's speaking kindly to her, but then he rapes her. So, you know, this is kind of like demonic, <laughs> you know. It really is. It's demonic. And that's why the Lord told the Jews to wipe out the Canaanites, as he entered into Canaan with Joshua, he was told to wipe out everything. Man, woman, children, animals, everything. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And because of that, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, you, you know, whateverites, they, they were thorns in Israel's side. And even to this day, they're thorns. Verse 4, Shechem spoke to his father, saying, Get me this young woman for a bride. In other words, in those days, you could actually purchase, you give a dowry, I guess it would be called, you know, give a dowry for that woman. And, and he wanted his dad to go get that, you know, Dinah for him. Okay? So she's probably about 14 years old. That's where it's at. Shechem says he loved Dinah, but then he's, the world call what he's calling love the world we we the church should be calling lust. And when lust is conceived it brings forth sin, and when sin is full blown it brings forth death, says James. Lust is self gratifying, but love, as you well know, agape love is self sacrificing. So self gratifying that's where Shechem is, self-gratifying. I like her. She's good-looking. I like the way she's built. Uh, she's just of age. She has a nice personality. I'm going to rape her. No. Wrong. You remember Jacob's love? We, we studied Jacob. How long did he work for Rachel? Fourteen years, remember? Fourteen years. Now, that's true love. He waited for 14, four, you know, worked seven years for Leah, and then he was tricked, and he worked seven years for Rachel. And we found out that actually he was, after he fulfilled the week with Leah, you know, he was given 
Rachel under condition that he would stay another seven years. That's the way I read the scriptures. Okay? That's true love. He was willing to give up seven years of his life for that woman. It ended up 14 years. His, his lust, his desire, shaman, shaman's lust was completely, fully self-centered. And even the scriptures tell us, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This relationship, since it happened this way, was founded on sin. And that's not a lasting way to have a healthy relationship. Okay, verses uh, 5 through 17. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with the livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came in. Then Hamar, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done this disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. But Hamar spoke with him, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife and make marriages with us. Give us your daughters, give your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourself. See, they want to intermingle here. That's what Hamar is proposing. Okay, uh, so you shall dwell with us and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to his father and her brothers, let me find favor in your sight. Now, if your sister was raped by this guy, would you have a hard time finding favor for him? You would. I would. Let me find favor in your sight. I just raped your sister, but... And whatever you say to me, I will give. And ask me whatever so much dowry a gift and gift, and I will give according to what you say. But give me the young woman as a wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, and spoke deceitfully. See, now they're already premeditating something. Because he had defiled Dinah, her, their daughter, and they said to him, them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on the condition we will consent to you, if you will become as, become as one as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. See, this is a deceptive thing. They are already premeditating this thing. They know that they're supposed to be separate from the world, but they're already trying to bring in a heathen nation into their 
the end to Israel, which God told them not to because they sacrificed the demons, they sacrificed the idols, they sacrificed their children, you know, to, to uh, gods of stone, you know, and God wanted them to be not, that, that wasn't to be in Israel. So Jacob's reaction, really, in verse 5 or 6, he doesn't even deal with it. He, does, he just just really forgets about it. I think he's probably fearful what can, ha- what can happen here. Jacob took, Jacob's sons take the responsibility, okay, because they're, they're angry. They love Dinah, their sister, obviously. Dinah was raped. Their father was disgraced by this. And they're boiling with anger, and their cruelty just comes out. You know how your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked? Well, here it is. It's coming out right in uh, Simeon and, Le- and, uh, and Levi, okay? Hamor proposes an alliance to make peace. Now, they're burning inside. They're figuring, how, how, can, we, how can we get rid of these people? We don't want any part of them. We want our sister back. As we read on through this, you're going to find out that Dinah was held captive by Shechem. I mean, she wasn't just raped and sent home. He held her. She was a prisoner. Now, that's not a way to treat your wives or girlfriends, guys, (laughs) just so you know that, okay? So he proposes, Hamar proposes an alliance with with, his, with Jacob and his clan. But Jacob, and he wants Jacob really to compromise. And this is something that happens in the Christian church too today. Just because this was written thousands of years ago, the church wants to compromise with this world. We can't compromise with this world. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. We know that we're not supposed to commit murder, we're not supposed to commit adultery, and we're not supposed to uh, have idols before us. You know, we know that we're to, uh, let's take abortion, for example. I'm going to tell you my stand right now. (laughs) We're not supposed to take the life of a baby. That baby's life from conception on. You can read that in Psalm 139. You know, David was talking about being formed. God knew his inward, right in his mother's womb. He was being knit together. You know, the world don't want to want to uh, uh, face that up up to that, but we do. This is the word of God. It's true. It's true. It's too bad if you don't like it. It's true. What I said in the beginning of this service was, you know, Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever lives." And, and uh, though he were dead, whosoever lives and believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he said, do you believe this? Well, you don't have to believe it, but it's true. Do you believe it? If you believe in Jesus with all your heart, I mean believe, not just say the word, but believe, okay, then you will live forever. That's all there is to it. It's the Word of God. I was reviewing this in my mind today. I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting older now. We're all getting older, everybody by the same rate, by the way. You know, I'm getting older. I'm saying, Lord, I can't. Uh, Forgive me for my lack of faith because I remember when you 
you spoke to me and you gave me dreams and when you answered this prayer when you answered that prayer and I remember when I was confronted by demons and how you delivered me from those demon demonic attacks and I said I can't deny you you know it's you're true you're real I believe this with all my heart I've seen too much done too much to know that Jesus Christ is not the Lord he is the Lord and he always will be the Lord whether you like it or not. You know, some people out over the Internet might need these strong words. I remember one guy who was a UPS driver. He delivered Bibles to our, our church because I had purchased them for the men's group to give out to the hotels. And he came in to the church, and the pastor was there, and the pastor led the, him. He said, why would you want to give Bibles out so that we could tell people that we, God loves them? And he ended up getting saved, and he became part of the church with his wife and children. And then he, one day in one of the classes I was teaching, he said, you know, one time I went into Sears or something, and he was buying something for his wife over the jewelry or perfume counter, and the lady said, asked him about, you know, if, you know, if he doesn't believe in Jesus, he's going to hell. And he said, I was really offended by that. He says, I don't think it should have been done that way. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think you needed to hear that? And he said, I said, do you think you would be a Christian today if you did not hear her say that? He said, I don't think so. And I said, see, somebody had to come to you with a strong word, a strong word. I had to have a strong dream before I believed. And then I believed. I was no doubt about it after that dream. So it was a strong belief. God was saying, listen, Joe, you going to believe in me or not? And I made the choice 44 years ago, this month, by the way, on the 25th, which is the 22nd, right? Three more days, I've been saved 44 years, 45 years. Praise God. Best years of my life. There were rough years, but the best years of my life. You know why? Because God walked with me through it. So he wants a compromise. Hamar, Hamar wants Jacob to compromise with him. He wants to intermarry with them. They get their, their own. This, they, they, can, they could would not be separate anymore. They would own the same properties, the same possessions. They could trade animals for animals, women for, for women, you know, whatever they wanted to do. But Hamar, obviously, in that, knew that his son was wrong. I would think so. Because verse 7 says, these things ought not to be done. But they wanted to come together as one. But look, at God already told them, no. Right? God already told them, no, don't do it. So you got to remember, Jacob's seed, the Israelite, is the spiritual seed that's going to lead the Messiah. Now, Shechem's seed, the Hivites, is the flesh side. All of us have flesh side, and all of us have a spiritual side. Now, your spiritual side is going to go whichever way you believe. You believe in Christ, you know, you're going to end up in the spiritual kingdom of heaven. 
if you don't believe in Christ, according to Jesus' word and the word of God, you're going to end up in, in a spiritual side, but it's going to be the downside, the negative side, the demonic side, the place prepared for the devil and his angels. And I don't care if you don't like what I'm saying out there. I'm going to tell you the truth because that's what I've been called to do as a pastor. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. There's just no other name. That's all there is to it. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I could name probably 10, 15 scriptures right off the top of my head to back those two up. So, Jesus Christ is the Lord. Okay? The scriptures that Paul wrote, and I read it to you, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what has fellowship of righteousness with lawlessness. And that's what we got. A spiritual kingdom and a, and a, and a, and a worldly kingdom. We have the laws of God and the laws of this world. And that's lawlessness. You know, I like the... I have this... Back when I was a younger believer, there was a Christian singer out there by the name of Don Francisco. And he had this song. And I went to see him in concert in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I, I, the one song that he has, he, he'd like tell a story with his songs. Kind of like some Keith Green does that too. Um, but he goes, the one's like this. It goes, Lord, you know there seems to be the good, the bad, the two of me. One man knows eternity and the other man knows the dust. And in the war between the two, the old man wars against the new. The flesh says not to look to you, but my spirit says I must. Lord, I know that you are a man. you're not a man. You, you were a man that knows the pain and understands the, the struggle in, in my soul demands more strength than I possess. What do we need? Do we need the Holy Spirit? To get us through. I just, this is what's going on here. Every Christian is fighting that battle. There's a war that's going on in your soul. You know, the flesh is, is warring against the spirit, and the war, spirit is warring against the flesh. And the 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, so that you don't do what you want to do, because our flesh gravitates to evil. It's just the way we are. I, I watch TV, and I, I hear the news, and I see things going on, and I go, God, how, how can we be so evil to do such things? It's just the way we are. Thank God that Jesus came and saved us from our sins. So Jacob gives a counter offer. Jacob's sons, I should say, gives a counter offer to Hamar, a condition, and that is, He's not dealing with the situation, but he's, he's saying, be circumcised or no deal. But this is premeditated, people. Get that through your mind. Circumcision, as I said earlier, was to be an outward sign of an inward spiritual change. And when Paul talks about circumcision of the heart in his word, in the Word of God that he wrote in his epistles, he's talking about the cutting the flesh away from our earthly hearts. You know, our, our, our hearts gravitate and are fleshly. 
what he's saying is spiritual circumcision is cutting that flesh away from our heart. The, the, the carnal flesh away from our heart so that we would become spiritual people. So today, when you, when you say circumcision, you know, God's talking really about the circumcision of your heart, cutting the world, the flesh, out of your, out of your walk with, with God. But he's there hoping to deceive him. And what they're going to do by being so evil, they're going to lose, you know, it, it goes, you know, uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Jacob. Well, Reuben lost his birthright because he's the firstborn son. And then Simeon was next. And, uh, and then Levi, and they both became mass murderers. So now that leaves the fourthborn son, Judah. And we know that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of who? Judah. Hamar sells his plan to Jacob. Okay, here's verses 18 through 24. And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem, Hamar's son, so that the young man did not delay to do the thing which he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable. I don't get that one either. I have a big question mark there. How could he be more honorable than all the household of his father? He just raped the girl. And spoke tenderly to her, but he raped her. Don't make sense. You can see the, you know, the battle going on there. You know, the, the, they just don't make any sense. And Hamor and Shechem and his son came to the gate of the city and spoke to the men of the city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let us dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as our wives and give us and let us give them our daughters only on the condition on this condition will they consent to dwell with us to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their livestock and look at their this is their reasoning for this, will not their livestock be ours, worldly things, and their property be ours? And every animal of theirs be ours, and let us only consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of the city heeded Hamar and Shechem his son. Every male was circumcised, all who went out to the gate of the city. So the, Hiva, the Hivites here consent to the circumcision. Okay? But look at their motive. And I just read it to you, verse 23. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their animals, and even their women really will be ours? Hamar appears devout, but his true colors come out because all he wants is possession and property. There's a spiritual danger in that, as I told you, you know, being unequally yoked. Ungodly relationships have no, no, should have no claim on a believer. First Corinthians seven. First Corinthians seven, verse uh, sixteen. First Corinthians. I already quoted it to you, or, or paraphrased it. 
let yet if the unbeliever then if the unbelieving one leaves let him leave a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases but god has called us to peace for how do you know o wife whether you will save your husband or how do you know o husband whether you will save your wife so don't marry somebody that's not a believer and hope that god's going to save him because he might 20 years later or she might or he might just be saved right off the bat we don't know but in other words count the cost weigh it you know you don't know if god's going to save that person or or not so just believe god wait for that person to get saved or move on spiritual ground by by doing that what we just said just you're you're just opening up you're surrendering spiritual ground to the devil and he's going to take advantage of it that's all there is to it the devil hates you especially if you are called by the name of christian little christ today the devil brings a lot of people defeats a lot of people i should say because they lusted instead of loved. James 4.4 4, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God? You know what God's saying? Don't be worldly, church. Don't be worldly. You know? Let's go. Simeon, here's verse 25 through 29. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, this is the Hivites are in pain, that the two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brother, took, each took his sword and came upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamar and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house. See, he had her he had her barred up. He took, they took her from Shechem's house, and he went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field, and all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives they took captive, and they plundered even all that was in their houses. So they attack them on the third day, which is when they were in pain and swelled, swelled up. They were in severe pain at that day. And uh, they, they got them, took them down at their weakest point. That's what the enemy will do with us if we surrender anything to him. He's going to take you down. That's all there is to it. He's waiting for that opportunity. And you don't give place to the devil in any way, shape, or form. What God's Word says, you do. It's not God's will, just so you know this, it's not God's will for them to do what they did here. Okay? If it was, they surely would have been inherited the birthright. God does accomplish different things, a couple things through the Simeon and Levi's sin. Number one, it did keep 
Israel separate from the pagans. Okay? So they didn't intermarry. Okay? Danger awaits all us Christians if we make friends with this world. We're supposed to have a light grip on this world. Just like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob we're supposed to have a light grip on this world. And that's what Jesus was telling to the disciples. And he tells us in the scriptures, just have a light grip on the world. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. That's what he tells us to do. Don't, don't let, let's see. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father. It's from the world. And even Paul tells in Romans, don't, do not love the world. Romans chapter 12. Number two, not only does it keep Israel separate from the pagan, it instills fear in the other Canaanites. They have actually, actually, um, Jacob is afraid that they're all going to band together and attack Israel, but it actually worked out the other way. They began, they, they ended up fearing Israel because of it. Why it was Simeon and Levi that reacted is because Dinah was their full-blooded sister. It wasn't half-brother or half-sister. They were full-blooded. They were all the children, as was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Dinah, were all children of Levi and Jacob. But this cruel act disqualifies those two sons from inheriting the birthright. And uh, let me let me turn to if you you can see the the uh, in Genesis chapter forty nine. You see the blessing that Jacob puts on his children. But I want to read you the ones for that is given for. For um, for Simeon, verses chapter forty nine of Genesis, verses uh, five through seven. Simeon, this is the blessing, okay, from Jacob to his sons. Simeon and Levi are brothers; their swords are instruments of violence. Let my soul not enter into their counsel. Let not my glory be united with their assembly, because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-willed they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. If you remember right, both of those tribes were scattered into Israel. The Levites ended up scattered in all the tribes, remember? They never had an inheritance of land. They ended up being the priests of the land, but they were scattered. They owned nothing. So the prophecy was fulfilled, as you can see, what I had read there. Okay? Simeon and Levi, they cross a dark line. They plunder and kill people because of their fierce anger, as Jacob said in his in his um, his blessing, if you want to call it a blessing, 
to his sons. You know, like I said, we're to have a light touch on this world. You're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust is corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. You know, you're wasting your time, Christian. We're wasting our time in this world. We've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's see, just two more verses and we're done. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I, but they shall, but they said, Shall he treat our sister as a harlot? Obviously, they weren't wiped out. The devil would have liked to wipe out the whole, the whole tribe of Judah or Jacob, but you know what? The Messiah, Messiah is coming from this line. So it, God wasn't about to let that happen. Instead, we see that these nations began to fear, began to fear Israel, just like they should have been, like when, when, when uh, Joshua came out of the, the wilderness and into, into Jericho. They knew like, you remember Rahab? She said, I know that your God is God. Your God is God. Remember me. She was remembered. She was actually acknowledging that God of Israel is God. And because of that, she ended up, what, the great-grandmother of King David? Wow. Go ahead and talk about God's mercy and love. Just put your, it's that simple, world. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the resurrection of life, though uh, whosoever lives and believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. It's that simple, world. It's that simple. If you believe in Jesus, you will never die. You will never die. Simple. And all you've got to do to believe in Jesus is say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me because you loved me. I believe you paid the price of my sin, which is death. And because you weren't sinful, because there was no sin in you, but sin came upon you at the cross, my sin. And because you live and rose the third day, so shall I live forever in your kingdom. All you got to do, Jesus said, do you believe this? Believe it, and you shall be saved. Paul told the Philippian jailer, Chapter 16 of Acts, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. So do it. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this message, Lord. Father, I'm amazed how Jesus is all through the Scriptures. I'm just amazed at it. Because he's the scarlet thread. He's the reason 
we are saved. And we just thank you so much for loving us so much. Even while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless the church. I love you all. Tune in Sunday, 10 a.m.